Hey dog people of the internet, welcome to Cog Dog Radio, a podcast all about dog sports, behavior, and training. I'm your host, Sarah Stremming of the Cognitive Canine, and I can't wait to share my behavior cases, training revelations, and general geekery with you. Let's get started. All right, today we are talking about picking your sport dog. So we're talking, I want to talk about the intersection between kind of all of your needs and how to make an informed decision as far as what dog is going to work best for you in sports and also in life. And I'm going to look at three key areas and I want you to kind of visualize a Venn diagram between the three areas. So each area is a circle and where the three circles meet in the middle, that's where your perfect sport dog lives. That's where your perfect sport dog is. And there's going to be breeds and types that fit both two circles, but not all three or one circle and not all three. And those are going to be, I'm going to say the wrong choices for you. I'm mostly going to talk about my perspective and my needs um, because those are the needs that I know the best. But I think that everyone can kind of understand this Venn diagram and understand how to make an informed decision by really laying all of the data out that you have. So the three circles in our diagram are going to be pet, sport, and preference. The pet circle recognizes that this animal most of the time is going to be living in your home as your family pet. So for me, that means that the dog is an off-leash hiker. I also have a priority for a calm household, so I like a quieter dog. And I like a dog that is fine to hang out with me while I'm working as long as his needs have been met. I also need a pet that's easy to travel with, so they need to be able to go with me, if not in an airplane, then definitely in a car uh, for long periods of time, be able to go in and out of hotel rooms, go to new places, and kind of be fine with that. I also have a lot of dogs, and I need peace in my home as a number one value. They cannot be fighting. And then I have another requirement for my pets, which is that they are healthy and they live a long life. So it's very important to me that longevity and health are not impossible to find. Of course, things happen and I know things happen. And I've actually been very lucky with my dog's health so far, knock on wood, but um, we can stack the deck in our favor as far as health is concerned. That does not protect us from catastrophe or from you know random things happening, but we can always stack the deck in our favor. So to review, my pet requirements are off-leash hiking, a calm household, so minimal barking, ease of travel, multi-dog household peace, and health and longevity. Okay, so that's my pet circle. There's a lot of dogs that fit into my pet circle that will not fit into my sport and preference circles. So let's dive into those. For my sport circle, I like dogs that like to work. I like sporty dogs. I like dogs that like to do stuff with me. I call them training addicts. I'm a training addict and I want my dogs to also be training addicts. I like training dogs that like to be trained. I don't like to beg dogs to work. In fact, I don't. 
It's just something I don't do. If I had a dog that didn't want to play my game, I just wouldn't make him, period. I'm okay with building a little bit of enthusiasm or drive as we sometimes call it, and I'm, but I'm also okay with producing a little bit of self-regulation. So if they're a little bit hot, I'm okay with that. If they're a little bit cold, I'm okay with that. But generally speaking, I want a training addict. I want a dog that wants to work. I also compete in dog agility, so I need a dog that is physically quite capable of hard things. Agility is hard on dogs' bodies. So I need a dog that is physically capable of doing agility easily. There are quite a few dogs that can do agility, but it's hard for them. And I'm going to remove them from, basically those dogs are not going to fit in my sports circle, even if they might be training addicts. Um, So there are quite a few breeds that for me, agility is, that I'm attracted to, but for me, agility is too hard for them for me to ask them to do it. And, you know, even if they're training addicts, they probably are still going to struggle too much in the sport of dog agility because of physical attributes that they have. Um, And then I also compete in obedience. So we've got another check under the quiet um, header because I like a quiet pet and also dogs that are super barky during work um, create really tough challenges in obedience because if they can be perfectly functional, perfectly on task, doing everything right and barking the entire time and that's just easy for them in their normal state, it's very hard to get them to work quietly. So um, super barky breeds are gonna be out of my sports circle as well because that is not a battle that I want to fight. And then finally, there's the preference circle. And this is kind of the fun one for me. I think people, this one gets kind of a bad reputation. People want you to not care what your dog looks like. And I don't know who these people are who don't care what the dog looks like because I want it to be attractive to me aesthetically. I do. I want the dog to look a certain way. Um, to be able, I want to look at the dog and think, God, you're so good looking. Like that's, that is what I want. And there are plenty of breeds who fit both my pet and sport requirements that do not fit my preference requirements because I think they're ugly. I'm just going to say it like it is. Um, so my preference is I like scruffy faces. Um, I also like black tri rough coat things of most breeds, most breeds, I'm into that. Doesn't even have to be border collies. And I also kind of like a beastie personality. So I like, I like dogs that are kind of funny and have a sense of humor and are kind of, um, you know, are, can be silly or can also be just kind of a brat. I don't know. This is, you know, these are all kind of labels that we would need to unpack a little bit more, but because I'm just talking about myself, I'm going to say these things and it kind of doesn't matter if it means the same thing to you or not. What matters is that you draw your circle and you write the traits that you're interested in, in your circle, and you find that breed that fits in the middle of those three circles. So your goal is going to be to find the center of this Venn diagram to kind of find your trifecta dog. I I mentioned that I have breeds that fit into two circles or maybe even one circle, but they don't fit all three circles, okay? So as far as sport and preference together, 
Jack Russell Terriers slash Parson Russell Terriers should be super high on my list. So for sport or preference, Jack Russells. I love scruffy faces. I love terrier personalities. Um, I can make Jack Russell a training addict most of the time. So I like how they look. I like their personality and I like how they train. They don't fit some of my pet requirements though. Um, One of the big ones being peace in my household. Now, please do not write me and tell me that your terriers have peace. I, congratulations, I totally know that. I'm well aware that plenty of people have peaceful households with terriers. I've also been in this business a long time and know how bad it goes when you don't have peace with terriers. So that's, that's an issue for me in the pet requirement. Off-leash hiking can also be a challenge. Of course it can be trained, but it's not something I wanna work super hard on. It's something that I want to have come relatively easily because I don't want to work super, super hard on that recall or not hunting. You know, I don't want to do that stuff. I can and I don't want to. So the Jack Russell's kind of out because of the pet requirements. The other breed that spits that fits both sport and preference for me is Dobermans. I adore Dobermans. I grew up with them. I think they're fabulous. I think they're stunningly beautiful. I think they are they are so fun to train. They are sharp as a tack. They love training. They love interacting with their person. They are wonderful. They fit my sport requirements. They fit my preference requirements. They do not fit the health and longevity requirement, unfortunately, um, for me. Again, please don't write to me and tell me how healthy your Doberman is. I'm so happy for you if you do have one. It is a little tough for me to locate... Um, it would be hard for me to locate a Doberman that I felt confident enough in the longevity of. Because for me, 10 years old, 11 years old, which is considered kind of old for Dobermans, not old enough. When I say longevity, I mean 15, 16 years old. That's what I'm after. So they don't fit the pet requirement, so moving right along. As far as pet and preference both, I got a thing for beagles. They are so adorable um they fit most of my pet requirements they absolutely contribute to a calm household although they're not necessarily quiet per se they're also not yappy and barky they have kind of a cute noise they make um ease of travel multi-dog peace they generally tend to be healthy man i'm into that preference they're as cute as they could possibly be i love looking at them sport Most beagles are not training addicts. They're food addicts, they love to eat, but they're not training addicts the way that I want the dog to be. So they're an ideal sport companion for I would say so many people. They're totally underrated as far as I'm concerned. But for me, like I want a crack addict and they just aren't, (laughs) okay? Um, And then in the sport and pet requirements um a racing whippet or a border whippet totally fits what i need sport they're training addicts they're fast they're amazing um pet they tend to be quiet in the household it tends to not be hard to maintain peace i actually don't have a lot of um drawbacks on the off-leash hiking front despite the kind of cultural belief that whippets can't be off-leash the problem is they don't fit my preferences. I don't like how they look. And <laughs> again, I hope I'm not upsetting people. Um, 
because I get it. I totally get the attraction. I like blockier heads. I like boxy muzzles. I like scruffy faces. I'm not super into the whippet look. So that's where they're out for me. And now here we are. The border collie fits all three of my fits in all three of my circles. It fits right in the middle there. Okay. They tend to be relatively easy to teach off leash hiking to. Um, they are not super hard to maintain a calm household with most of the time. Depending on the lines, some of the lines are barkier than others, but I ask those questions when I'm trying to acquire a puppy. I buy dogs from quieter lines. My Border Collies travel very easily with me because they're very adaptive. So I, I just ask them to travel with me and they kind of go, okay. They are a generally healthy breed. Of course, they have health problems just like any other breed, but um, mine routinely live well into their teens. Um, and again, I know that bad things happen, but it's you can expect when you buy a Border Collie that you're going to have it for the next 14 years. You can't reasonably expect that with, say, an Irish Wolfhound. Okay, so this is what I'm talking about, is that, which by the way, the Irish Wolfhound fits my preference and pet requirements mostly other than longevity, just doesn't fit my sport requirements, unfortunately. So what am I getting at here and what's my conclusion? Because I am kind of rambling about what I like and what I don't like is that we should all be making calculated choices about the dogs that we get. And a lot of my clients are people who have upgrade dogs. Check out the upgrade dogs episode if you haven't already, which often are those training addicts, okay? They're what I want in that sport area, but do not fit this person's pet requirements and might not even fit this person's preference requirements, but they got it because it's great for sports. And maybe they have another breed that fits their pet and preference requirements, but not their sport requirements. So then they just get another dog to encompass that entire circle because it's left out of their other breed. And I just don't love that. I think seeking a line within your breed that gives you all three circles is smarter than reaching outside of your breed entirely. And what I mean to say is that don't just go get a Border Collie or a Sheltie because you want to do agility. Instead, look carefully at each of these areas, the sport, pet, and preference areas, and find something that fits in all three because there are enough breeds and mixes of breeds in existence that you can absolutely have all three and you should and that's what I want for you and it's definitely what I want for myself all right let's dive into some patreon questions this first one comes from Jana and it is a question regarding some barky lungy behavior um, and so if you haven't listened to the barky lungy series they are referencing that series um, so you might want to you know back up, dive into that series if you don't fully understand this discussion. So um, they say they have two questions. One, I tried dark dog park TV. My dog looked at the very small dog in the park with great interest and then turned away and I praised him. I feel that up to this point, I choose the distance in a good way, but after a time, he started pulling towards the park and started whining. So all of a sudden, my distance was too small for him to stay calm. It seems to me that he really wants to play with other dogs when he's not insecure about their behavior. I tried to let it play out, but the other dog left before my dog stopped whining. 
how should I pick the distance correctly? Should I start with more distance or should I increase when he turns from insecure to I want to go in there now? I'm very unsure how to do this correctly. And they had already mentioned that the dog is one and a half years old. Um, so a couple things. One, the goal with dog park TV is desensitization. So the goal with dog park TV is that dogs are not interesting. If there is only one dog in the dog park, it will either target your dog, look at your dog, want to have you know more of a discussion with your dog and that creates problems, or will be too boring for it to actually, you know, be much of a desensitization session, although boring is really what we are after. Um, so a few, because there's a few different things going on here other than your question, because your primary question is, am I doing the distance part right? And here's how the distance part goes. You need to err on the side of farther away. Okay, so you want to start pretty far and work your way closer as your dog shows you neutral behavior. Okay, the dog is pulling at the dog, wanting to get to the dog, interested in the dog. That is not a time to go forward at all. So neutral behavior means go forward. Other behaviors mean stay where you are. I do not do much retreating. If it appears that I have pushed the dog too far and I need to retreat, I end session. I just go home. And the reason is I don't want to get into a pattern of get close, dog reacts, you go farther away. Get close, dog reacts, you go farther away. This happens a lot. This happens to everyone. Um, and I don't want that. So I want to stay farther away and I want to gradually go closer. It should be so boring, Jana. It should be you're bored out of your mind and so is the dog. That's how this is supposed to go. If your dog is whining at the dog and trying to pull at the dog, the dog is too interesting. You should be further away. But going further away right in that moment runs the risk of reinforcing the whining. So you're smart to stay and let it play out. But no, you can't control that one dog in the park and they may leave. So a, a park full of dogs is better. And I want you to really focus a lot on the other parts of uh, the Barky Lungy protocol. And that's where we get into your next question. So I'll read that part. I try to go on decompression walks with Nacho, and I hadn't been told previously the dog's name is Nacho, but I'm very pleased <laughs> the dog's name is Nacho. Um, okay, I try to go on decompression walks with Nacho, but I let him go on a long line because I have very slim chances of recalling him as soon as he sees another dog. When he sees another dog, he will typically run towards the other dog and then engage in play or a fight. He's never hurt anyone, but it did not, but it... It did not happen many times because I put a leash on now. Okay, so he hasn't hurt anyone and that hasn't happened very many times. So my problem is that he cannot let all his crazy out on the long line because I hold on to the other end and it becomes more of a yo-yo type movement. Also, I think hitting the end of the line and running back makes him more excited, plus it gets very hard to hold him at some point. So I try to calm him down on the shorter leash with sniffing games and rewarding him for giving me attention until I feel comfortable to put him on a long line. But... The way, that way he never gets to decompress. So is there a better way to do this? I would love to let him off, but I cannot put the other dogs in danger. Um, okay, so Jana, couple of things. Number one, you're on the right track. You know this dog needs decompression type exercise and you know the dog's not actually getting it. Because the dog is yo-yoing on the long line, the dog's exercise needs are not being met. So my first question is, is this dog muzzle trained? And can you go somewhere where you're unlikely to see other dogs? So decompression walks are not part of Barky Lungy. 
decompression walks with other dogs intentionally that you have selected are part of Barky Lungy, the protocol. So um, I want you to go back and listen to the series one through three, try to implement those steps um, really verbatim. And when it comes to the decompression walk part, go to as remote a place as possible and then safeguard yourself by putting a muzzle on the dog. If you cannot bring yourself to do this, it will simply just, it will, it'll hurt your progress. It will not be detrimental, but it will hurt your progress. So it is up to you, but that is what I would do. I would go somewhere where you have good sight lines, if possible, so that you can leash the dog if you see someone coming. And I would work the snot out of your recall because the fact that he won't come when he sees another dog is a training problem. That's not a, your dog is bad or blowing you off or just can't come when called when he sees another dog. It is a training problem. And you have a lot of opportunities to work on that training because you can do that at dog parks and things like that. So I hope that helps, Jana. Thanks for your question. Next one's from Margaret. How do you balance in a multi-dog household the enrichment needs of the pack of three Boston Terriers and they all go on the same walks? How do I recognize if the walks aren't long enough for one of the three? And does that mean that I just make the walk, the walk longer for everybody? Or do you take one out of your pack out separately for an individual walk? Um, when I take them for walks, I try to recognize that they're doing what they're doing, how they're acting, but I'm not sure if there's any other clues or tips to ensure that they all, all three get what they need. So in my household of seven dogs, there's definitely varied needs, especially when it comes to exercise. So you're, you said enrichment needs, but then you went on to talk about exercise. So I'm going to say that I think you meant to say exercise needs. Um, and I've got some young dogs that really need quite a lot and then I've got some older dogs that don't so like I've got a 14 year old dog that he goes on like one of my walks a week my walks tend to be an hour to 90 minutes that's enough for him he's fine my 11 year old girl goes on all of my walks does perfectly fine does not need that many walks but does just fine with them if she gets to a point where she can't or she was recovering from an injury earlier this year then yes I left her home with a Kong in a crate or with a friend and it's fine when you have multiple dogs you have to understand that sometimes some of them are going to get something and the others aren't going to get it and that's fine and you have to just kind of get over that and reconcile that so if you've got a super young dog that really needs a lot of exercise take that dog and leave your other dogs home with something else to do and for me how do i recognize if they're getting what they need is based on their household behaviors so if they are less frantic less anxious less just energetic in my house and just nicer pet dogs then they're getting these needs met and if they're not then they aren't and I need to increase um, the exercise of, of one of those one of those dogs uh, the next one is not a question for me so I'm gonna ask answer it the best that I can uh, it's from John who's asking um, I was listening to your podcast about functional breeding with Dr. Jessica Heckman, and it occurred to me that I'd really like to hear her perspective on the state of consumer canine DNA testing. How accurate is it from both a breed and health perspective? So, John, I'm going to encourage you to reach out to Dr. Heckman. Um, her contact was included in that uh, episode, and you can also ask that question over in the Functional Dog Collaborative um, Facebook page, and I really, I really recommend you doing that. As far as I'm concerned with DNA testing, um, the company that I've used is Embark, and they are. This is not an advertisement for Embark at all, um, but 
they are they have very rigorous standards and I really trust them so I trust what I get back from them but as far as the nitty-gritty about how accurate it is and all of that ask reach out to Dr. Heckman because she knows the answer better than I do and that is it for this week Thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe and leave me a review. If you'd like to support this podcast, head over to patreon.com slash cogdogradio. You might even hear me answer your question on the show. For more content like the stuff you heard here, check out my online courses at cog-dog-classroom.teachable.com.